0: Welcome back to another edition of Sing Those Cubby Blues. I'm David Bloomberg, and with me, as always, is my fellow David, David Westergreen. Hello. Yeah. So this is the off, the first off season episode of Sing Those Cubby Blues. The last time we talked to you guys was back in August, actually. Um, and honestly, I think we were both waiting for a merciful end to what has not what was not a fun season. Um, we don't have a manager. We kind of called that back in August talked about that at length and so it's not really a shock for either of us uh but yeah what do you you think david what are your opening thoughts as we look into the offseason
1: and that was a miserable miserable end of the season um the team was barely worth watching and as much as as much heart as castellanos brought and we were able to discuss that in our in the last time we recorded we really both did we didn't even talk about recording because it was no, neither of us wanted to watch. Neither of us wanted to talk about it because there was nothing to talk about. The team looked lifeless. Everything imploded. Um, they lost the division lead to the Cardinals. They lost the wildfire spot to the Brewers. They're not playing, and it's October, and that's just the first time. That's the first time in this competitive window that they have not been playing in October. And last year, they at least played two games uh, of kind of postseason baseball. And this year, none, and that just reinforces, I think, how we felt at the end of that episode where Joe Madden's tenure was kind of up. I'm honestly excited about the offseason. I really, really am. I think when you get a team and you get the, a general manager like Theo Epstein, you get the Rickets Now, no, they have no playoff revenue. They have no playoff merchandise. They have nothing they can hang their hat on regarding 2019 with a marquee network, you know, coming in. They have to have something to hang that on to start things up. And if they don't have, if they don't have a winning team. They can't really push that. They're not going to keep pumping money into nothing. So they're going to want to the Theo and Jed and everybody in the front office to make changes and, and it starts with them. They've moved gener- uh, Jason McLeod out of the player development role and they're looking to hire a hitting director, a pitching director, and we already saw them go after Kyle Bodie from driveline and miss out on him to the Reds, which is just another, it's, it seemed like another bad thing, but they're clearly trying
0: and I think the rest of the offseason is going to
1: reflect that. And that's what we're going to talk about today, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, I think that's going to be a big part of what we do here, is just getting into all of that. There's just so, so much to talk about. Um, and, yeah, it's. it, it was a rough... See- we, you know, I didn't even really want to discuss uh, Nico, which, you know, it was bad circumstances that led to him being there, but it was really cool to see him there, and he did such a good job. You know, But I didn't even want to talk about that. Just I was so exhausted with the whole thing. Um, yeah, so, I mean... Won't really go in depth on the manager thing since we went into it last time, but I think David Ross is a fine candidate. I think Will Venable is a fine candidate. Mark Loretta is a fine candidate. Carlos Beltran and Sam Fold are fine candidates, and I really do think that we're all probably going to be pretty happy with the, the end result. The only results, way I would be upset, no matter how um, it comes out,
1: regarding the managerial managerial hire, is if they hire Joe Girardi or Mark DeRosa. Those are the only two guys that I think I know. It would probably end up poorly because their flaws. Where Derosa is just not a very. I mean, his his baseball analysis analysis is pretty terrible on MLB Network. He's pretty much constantly getting stood up by the other hosts on the show. And Joe Girardi, we know his problems. He's been a, uh, a obvious um, anti front office. Do everything my own way type of manager, which almost feels like what this front office had the problem with with Joe. And you can kind of tell that during Theo's interview the other day, the, the end of season press conference, he talked about specific things like uh, consistency and you know managers, the manager being higher, being someone that, that would listen to them and, and communicate with them. And I don't think Joe Madden was necessarily doing that very well. Um, and we know that that was the biggest issue with Joe Girardi with the Yankees. That's why they fired him after a 90 win season. So those are the only two options that are bad um i've seen some other options like john farrell like ron washington um do you i don't know if you've seen those those are maybe just people speculating on my timeline but i i do want to bring those up just as thoughts like maybe an old manager who might come in and take a new approach i mean we know ron washington's a an analytics heavy guy he's taken that he took texas to two world series john farrell took the took boston to a world series do you think those guys would be a decent fit for this team if, if that's where they go with like an experienced manager who's kind of coming back into the game
0: I don't think any real experienced manager is a good fit in general because I think really you want to see the team go in the direction that the smart organizations are going, which is younger former players who are closer to the real game of baseball as it's played in the 21st century, guys who played in analytically inclined organizations, who have taken on some kind of role in a front office, who have been curious about analytics, who are good communicators and who are good go between between the front office and the players in terms of uh, helping to facilitate the concepts that the pitching lab and your hitting video guys and your front office are trying to put forward, You know, because like, like we saw the consternation this season over what Nick Cassiano said about analytics. And the point is not every player has to be into the numbers themselves, but he did note he just wants to hit the ball hard, which is an analytically inclined uh, point. And all that the players need to know sometimes is that, you know, you you need a manager who can communicate that to each individual player in the way it needs to be communicated to them. Some of these guys are going to be super, super cerebral types. And some of them are going to be your Cassianos of the world who just want to go out and play and don't want to have to think about it too much, but you still need to be able to impart those concepts to them because they're important. Um, So really, I just think stay away from retreads and try to do something new. Uh, There are a lot of smart for relatively young former players who have been working in front offices and have been immersing themselves in the new research methods that smart front offices are are working on. And I think that you're going to see one of those guys. I think it's probably David Ross's job if he wants it. Uh, and he has done some work within the Cubs front office. So, And his connection to the Red Sox and the Cubs means that he's for a long time been around organizations where that was a big part of the game. And a big part of what kept him in the sport was pitch framing, which was one of the early cutting edge uh, analytics concepts from the late 2000s. You know, that was a big deal and continues to be a big deal. And he's a guy who really understands the value of that. And he's a good communicator. He's a good communicator to the players. He's the kind of guy who they who the players will respect and trust in the clubhouse. And so if he's trying to impart to them those lessons and those messages from your video scouting people or your player development folks or your analytics people, uh, he'll be able to get those guys to listen. Uh, mm-hmm. So would Loretta. So would Venable. So would Fold. So would Beltron. You know, those guys are all right. right. And, options and for something.
1: maybe one guy that I consider to be a good option yeah. manager is Joe Espada, who is the uh, Astros bench coach. Uh, if you haven't heard his name yet. He's, he's a good guy. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'll I don't go. know if there's any more that I just want to bring up. Using this podcast, know. where at, least, at the very least we could think about them. Um, I did see today that a lot of people were talking about sand to the Pirates, which would just stink. Um, but ultimately, I think. Manish- yeah, I would. Um, well, would really, be, anything a, we, and I'm I'm gonna be fine. Be with anything ship. outside yeah, but, Clint Hurdle because he's awful. Yeah. Um. So that's good.
0: Yeah, but that would that would, that would hmm. be incredible if Fold took the Pirates' job. Would definitely make the Cubs' job harder. it's already a tough division and then they go and get somebody who has immersed himself in modern research. It's going to be tough the Cubs
1: manager spot is going to come with that stigma of you have to fill the shoes of Joe Madden. you have to replace the best or second best manager in Cubs history and
0: I yeah and I think that's why Ross is such a good option because he was there in that clubhouse. These guys respect him, they trust him and I don't think he's afraid of that legacy i don't think he fears that he is familiar with the organizational mindset under the people running the organization and i think he feels comfortable with that i think he feels very comfortable with that so so i'm hoping he you know the only hurdle i think is that he makes a lot of money as a broadcaster you know and managing is a really really tough gig you're on the you you just got done being a player being on the road all the time, being away from your family half the year or more to jump right back into that is a lot for anybody. But we've heard him talk about the pull that baseball has over him. And the fact that like he finds himself drawn back towards it. And it definitely sounds like he's interested. So I think if he wants it, I'd be really cool with him doing it. No, I don't, I don't and think I'm going to be upset. if I don't think
1: that there's any way I can, I can possibly be upset unless it's Girardi or DeRosa. Um, those are the two guys that I know, and then everybody else is, well, I'll look at right, it. Exactly. Right. So I think that's where we're going to leave manager because the Cubs' likely ch- biggest change is not going to be a manager. I think that's that's my – I'm 100% confident. Their biggest change won't come at manager, and it won't come in the rest of the coaching staff. I think the Hadvi, Ayaposi, everybody who is currently the, the around the, the manager spot, I think those guys are going to stay uh, unless Loretta leaves for the, the Padres' job. But she very well could. If uh, he's not hired for the Cubs job, um, the I, I would almost pencil Loretta in as the Padre the Padres guy, unless they're trying to go for like a um, either Joe Madden or somebody along the lines of a um, a former manager like Ron Washington, like we kind of discussed. So it, the Padres are interesting. They could poach Loretta or Venable, really. Venable played for the Padres too. But beyond that, I think most everybody's going to stay the same. Um. Yeah. I, I do hope that whoever yeah, the new manager is brings in a so. training staff, man. I really hope so.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think this has been a point that's often been talked about with the Cubs. The last few years especially, they haven't been good at managing injuries. and whether And that's clearly on the training staff and probably a little bit on the coaching staff as well for not staying better on top of that and probably on the front office as well for keeping the same training staff around and for not asking more incisive questions and trying to get to the bottom of stuff like that. Uh, but you can't be playing players at 50%. You can't be doing that. These guys need to have proper time to heal. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. You play 162 games. Don't worry about, a, about two weeks in the middle of July. Worry about having that player at 100%. For the final six weeks of the season, you know, like worry about getting guys back to 100. percent Don't have them tailing off at the end of the season because they've tried to play through injuries. We saw it with Cole Hamels. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Chris Bryant. We saw it with the whole. We saw it with Javier Baez. We saw it with far too many guys trying to play through I mean, injury, hurt them at crucial moments in the season. And the Cubs mm-hmm. had the de- The Cubs had the depth. Not to be worried about it. David Bodie played really well this season. He looks like a legitimately good semi-regular major league player. He's obviously not Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be able to Fair replace s- Chris Bryant with Chris Bryant. That's just not how that works. If Chris Bryant yeah, gets hurt, trust my problem. your next man It's not your that next the man Cubs did have Gold. some depth, especially for a guy like Chris Bryant,
1: because they did. But they had no depth for Javi Bias coming down. When Addison Russell, Addison Russell was your backup, and Addison Russell was absolutely atrocious oh, absolutely that season, yeah. when... Your third string behind that was Dixon Machado, and your literal fourth string was the guy you drafted last year, who came in and did a good job. I can't get behind saying, oh, they had depth, because they didn't. They didn't have depth at closer. When Craig Kimbrough went down, they had nobody. They they were praying Rowan Wick just kept on pitching well, pitching through a 0% home run per fly ball and a high walk rate, which he did. Rowan Wick was good last year, but he got pretty lucky, and Craig Kimbrough got incredibly unlucky. But when Craig Kimbrell is the one who's trying to come back from the injury and he's pitching at probably 70%, I mean, he was only throwing 95 in that game that he blew, he gave up two home runs, uh, that's that's them pitching a guy who's hurt, right? Steve Ciszek feels like he can't give up on the team even though his hip is hurting because nobody else is going to pitch his innings because he pitches every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we saw it with Ciszek and Strope, two veteran relievers who they put it on themselves to feel like they had to go out there When their bodies were not up to the task and it didn't end well, you know, those you, especially with veteran pitchers, let them heal. Don't put it on their backs. You know, we said it before, Rowan Wick should have been in the majors sooner. He was dominating triple a, you know, Brad Brock wasn't released until what was it? It's, uh, Late June or I, I, July, I, I, something that's not for that? an office management team. That's that's a, that's Brad, a, Brad Brock spent like three months on this team. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it's one thing to give a guy like Brad Brock a chance to prove himself on a flyer deal. He comes in and you build a bullpen so that he doesn't have to pitch high leverage innings. Because a guy like that could be worth a flyer, especially given how little we were paying him. But once it becomes clear he has no more usefulness left, you need to let him go. You can't have three months of that guy trying to pitch in big spots, especially when you got a guy like Rowan Wick in AAA who was carving up hitters in an offensively in exploding league. It was like five I mean, it's like a, what, what was it? Like the 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 mean the the mean ERA I, in AAA this season was what in the mid fours? It was in the mid fives. Yes, and Rowan Wick was like two whole runs below that. He was dominating. He was on the 99th percentile of the distribution curve for AAA pitchers. He was at the top. He was Mm -hmm. one of the best. And it became clear this was a guy who deserved a longer look. I think you and I probably agree on this point that if you're going to... Bullpens are volatile. And if you're going to fail in the bullpen, you might as well fail creatively. And with the guys in your system who have talent and you might as well give them the opportunity to prove whether or not they can get it done rather than running out veteran retreads who have lost their luster, who have lost the ability to pitch the way they once could. Brad Brock, once upon a time, was a good reliever, but hadn't been so in several seasons. His fastball velocity had trailed off tremendously. There was obviously reason for the Cubs to see if he could recapture something this season, especially in low and middle leverage innings. But August. And once it becomes clear I, I have a big problem with go, waiting until mid to Bullpens are We,
1: we talked about Hudson in our August podcast, try up then. They made it another I mean, month, and it then run And then Holton goes out, and he doesn't allow run um, you know? in his time in the majors. He looks like he belongs. He looks like a guy who can totally be a member of the pen next year. Not to mention, you trained Carl Edwards for Brad we, Wick. I think it's just Wick. I think we have two Wicks. But Brad Wick comes in, and he looks like a dominant reliever. And I'm just... I'm floored that they gave him 10 innings. They gave him 10 innings. They didn't even like ride him until, until his arm fell off the rest yeah, of the way. They just kept on throwing David Phelps and Derek Holland out there to get just destroyed. I...
0: Right. You know, the thing is, we both agree September mm-hmm. is the wrong time to be finding out what you have in your bullpen. September can be a great time to try somebody who comes in on a flyer deal. You know, we're, we, we can think about Trevor Cahill who came into the Cubs back when he did in September, because that's when he was available to the team and the Cubs said, we'll give it a shot. It's worth, it's worth a flyer. And he turned out to be great. You can do things like that in a September. You can do things like that under what is going to now be the defunct September roster rules. That's definitely going to change how things are played next season when they shift those rules. But but absolutely, you can give a guy a shot. What you can't be doing is finding out who are your top bullpen options in September. We needed to have that solidified mm-hmm. with Wick, and, and Ryan, with Dwayne Underwood, yeah, and Danny Holtz, and, and guys of that nature long before. I don't that, know. Ryan, Ryan wasn't. It was good, frustrating watching, he's, he's Kyle, watching to be, Kyle Ryan. He's going to be the, to take the back
1: seat to lefty college. reliever guy next year, I think. You know, guys. Um, I just I, hope that they don't suppress Brad Wicks' development because what Brad Wick looked like was a power lefty reliever in the mold of an, uh, an Andrew Miller level strikeout guy I mean this dude struck out like he's 16 per nine and he's rolling rolling in with almost double, almost like three quarters of his outs are strikeouts like this guy was killing it yeah and wick yep. the wick brothers he should absolutely get a chance to start. And I'm, I'm frustrated because Dwayne Underwood didn't get a chance to shift over to bullpen Kimberle, work exclusively until Wick. midway through this it season. It Why wasn't Otherwick, he transitioned into a role two years ago? Right. When he came up you to, you against the Dodgers, off. I think it was in 16, it might have been in 17. He came up against the Dodgers. He threw three innings. He wasn't good. Why didn't they just transfer him to a bullpen role right then? Right? As soon as he ended up transferring, his guess what his velocity ticked up, his strikeout rate went up, he became a better pitcher. He clearly shows that he has value. Why didn't that happen sooner? Why why was that change not initiated years ago? And and for guys like Oscar De La Cruz and it's a, it's a problem. I mean smart
0: I mean smart organizations are doing that right now. They're you're transitioning guys into a bullpen role and even the guys who you have long-term designs like, like getting them back to starting, you're bringing them up to the majors in that. Relief role mm-hmm. and letting them try to work it out in the majors because guess what, your best players should be in the majors. The Cubs showed. I think that was the frustrating thing was that lack of urgency. We can give we can give Brad Brock another inning. We can yeah. give Derek Holland and another like, inning.
1: I think next year, but we're not willing to find to out this if and so this be the and change that I see, of yes. the world
0: can go in the, the major bullpen needs we're to be a rotating out of what they can do. The, the group we've mentioned,
1: and then I want to see a guy like Corey Abbott get a chance. Right, Corey Abbott may not be able to start in the majors next season. But Corey Abbott is really, really good, and he's probably an underrated prospect overall. Corey Abbott should get a chance to relieve next year and get a taste of the major leagues at some point in the season. When you get a guy injured, and Corey, and you, you want to call somebody up, Corey Abbott should be the first guy you call up. See what he's yeah. got. If he doesn't have it, fine. But we want to know now. If you've got a guy in Corey Abbott who can just come up and destroy, then you need to you need to take advantage of that. If Corey Abbott, if you want Corey Abbott to start eventually in the in the Cubs rotation, then you can't just sit him in double A at Tennessee next year after he just proved t- double A was too easy for him. He dominated double A. Corey Abbott is, a, is ready, and he should get a chance next year to pitch in the majors. I, in a relief role, I would think, because our starting, we'll get to the starting rotation here in a bit, but I don't think you need to bring back a Brandon Kinsley. I don't think you need to go out and sign a yep. bunch of, you know, middling Brad Brock, Tony Barnett, Xavier Cedeno tight guys. You can maybe go in and try to offer a Will Smith a contract. That'll be fine. But really, if if you're leaving the bullpen up to me next year, because one of Tyler Chatwood or Alec Mills is gonna be in there, right? You're gonna have to to leave a spot for for one or two of these swing guys. Let the young guys eat. Let Albert Alzale come out of the bullpen from spring training. If you think Albert Alzalay is just too injury prone to be a starter, let him come out of the bullpen, right? Every single start he threw like four no hit innings in AAA and then started getting lit up. the other time through. If if Albert Alzalay is a guy who can who can pitch one time through, he should be in the bullpen. If Corey Abbott, if you want to bring Corey Abbott up, you want to have your best players like Justin Steele needs to start in the bullpen next year because the Cubs starting rotation is a bunch of good pitchers and odds are, we're we'll, we'll probably transitioning into it right now, don't we think the Cubs are going to be in on a guy like Garrett Cole or Madison Bumgarner or this is a this is a really good free agent class of pitchers like Steven Strasburg could be available. Aren't the Cubs going to start thinking about throwing some money in because Quintana and Lester are both going to be free agents after next year? Are they going to you know consider making a change at the starting pitching spot? which opens up then those bullpen spots for your starting pitching prospects.
0: I mean, you absolutely have to start thinking about the rotation. And I think my big reservation is that we're already seeing language coming out from the ownership suite about we're not going to have the revenue increase from marquee sports Mm -hmm. network that everyone assumes us have. And it sounds quite like it did last off season where they're trying to set us up for disappointment, where they're not going to be able to spend money. And if that's the case, I will be Mm -hmm. furious. This multi-billion dollar organization owned by people who are some of the wealthiest people in the country who are crying poor because they don't want to spend the money on the baseball team because they don't feel they have to. They don't feel that responsibility. We're seeing this more and more in baseball, and right now with the Cubs, it's a very clear problem. I want Garrett Cole. Everybody out there with the in Cubs in Cubs fandom should want Garrett Cole. I think most of us do want to see Garrett sure Cole join this rotation. I mean, I think about the idea of Garrett Cole, Hugh Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana and John Lester as a five this season, mm-hmm. and that that sounds really good to me. That sounds, um, sounds beautiful to me. You know, I think it's a no-brainer to bring Quintana back so at the amount of money we get to pay him this final season. I think it would be amazing to front that rotation with Garrett Cole and the Darvish we saw in the second half, which is legitimately who I believe he can be going forward. I think that's a lot closer to the U Darvish we're going to see the remainder of this contract than the U Darvish we saw the first half. I think that you're going to see a very different U Darvish. He's historically been a lot closer to second half New Darvish when he's been healthy and he, something flipped. He looked healthy. He looked on his game, but you're, you're obviously going to have spots to fill. Like you said, Lester and Quintana come off the books after this season. You're going to have to fill some spots. Garrett Cole would be a great way to help out with that. And then, yeah, if Alzele can start in, in 2021, cool. He may very well be able to, but right now, and it's something I know, like Brian Smith, who writes about prospects for Bleacher Nation, has mentioned this a number of times, that Alzale's arm is not stretched out necessarily for the full season starters workload right now. So do I. It's just not, you know, And but there's a real chance you could use him in some starts in 2020 and also throw him out of the bullpen because I think the stuff is there to be a legitimate bullpen weapon. He's clearly incredibly talented, and how many guys do we have who have that we kind do. of stuff? That in a small stint out of the bullpen. So taking that and, and saying, okay, well, if, Cubs are, if the Cubs are the Cubs are going to cry more and or, the Cubs
1: are going to allocate their money elsewhere because the Cubs do have to some give money. That a shot. We know this; they're going to have they really do about sixty million freed up. They're going to non-tender some guys. We'll get to those players whom I'm, I'm excited to non-tender, and we're going to be dropping some some other key pieces. The Cubs are going to end up with a lot of money if they're going to take the ro- the payroll back to where it is, because clearly. They could get the payroll here, right? They they extended the budget for Nick Castellanos. They they were were, were willing to sign Craig Kimbrell midseason oh, yeah. when a little bit of money opened up. They were willing to spend this money. So we know the Cubs budget can operate at 240 million. The overages are, and the overages are gonna go up, but the overages are so insignificant compared to like just making the playoffs, that'll pay for the overages. Just making the playoffs will pay for the overages by itself from playoff merch, from tickets, from yes, we know it can. The playoff revenue itself will pay for the overages for the next two years. So I think that by not making the playoffs, I really, really hope that despite oh, the marketing right. market yeah. maybe the not pulling as much revenues, money as yeah, it does, absolutely. the Cubs will sit back and say, hmm, you know, this would have been a lot cheaper if we just, you know, spent a little more money, made the playoffs, and made all that money back. Like, that that may be the ticket. So I'm thinking that they can get back to where they are right now, and they're dropping upwards of $60 million off, off the top of the roster, because of Cole Hamels, Ben Zobrist, you know, uh... Uh, Brandon Morrow, yeah. some of these guys who just, he didn't work out, you know, Pedro Strope, Steve Sheck those guys, they're all going to drop off the roster, I think, or at least off the payroll. And so you're left with these openings. You've got this opening in the rotation with Hamels dropping out, potentially. Yeah, I can see Hamels coming back on a very small one or two year contract, but I think Hamels will, the Cubs will just want to get younger. Um, here's a, a situation to present. In the interest of moving money. Kyle Hendricks is a very good contract. His contract's good. It's a good contract. It's not quite as good as Quintana's, and he's locked up for long term. I don't think the Cubs are going to move Kyle Hendricks. I don't think the Cubs are going to move, and the Cubs can't move you, But Dropping, but, but possibly looking at trading Jose Quintana is a is a move that if you're going to sign Garrett Cole makes some well, sense no. because while while you have that that five some no. that I really do like. I don't think the Cubs are going to be coming back for Quinton. I think he will have run his course after next year. He'll go to free agency. He'll sign somewhere for a reasonable margin. You know? I... But if the Cubs are going to get something of value for him or package him up in a deal with some other players, that may be, for me, one of the avenues for which the Cubs can find some change. Where we talked about you know, how the bullpen is going to change, I think, to the younger side. I think pitching, they can change just the, the, the personnel that are there. Maybe what's needed. I don't know. What do you think about moving Quintana?
0: I, mean, I could see it. The problem I have is it's going to be very difficult to find a pitcher to fill that role for that little money to who will provide that same amount of relative value. It'll be very, very difficult. Like, it'll be difficult to overcome the value proposition of trading him, and what you get in return almost definitely will not match in kind. I really don't think that trading Quintana is a necessary thing. I think a lot of people have talked about it because he's not the ace-level pitcher they envisioned him to be. But if he's a good number four starter, he makes up for that contract and some. And that's really all I care about at this point in terms of that. And I just don't know where you're going to find somebody to replace him because then you have to go and you not only have to bring in... But if I told you that the Cubs have... But you have to go and find a mid-range starting pitcher free agent who can do roughly what Katana would do for the same or less money that's going to be a real tall order. But if he pitches yeah, there's there's plenty of things with it. I mean Okay. okay. I mean the thing with that I mean the thing about that is that it's a huge risk. <laughs> We don't know what Grave will look like coming off of injury. We don't know if he'll look good at all. Presuming that he can step in and provide you what Quintana is providing you is a bold proposition. But like I said, it's a value proposition. If you can really get somebody for Quintana who improves the mid-term competitiveness of the major league team, then you can explore it. But I just doubt the ability to get somebody for him Who improves your prospects for competitiveness so much, fills a necessary hole in your roster that it's worth trading him away and creating another hole in your rotation. I think you need to bolster that rotation, not trade away from it. And I do think you need to address the fact that he'll be gone after next season and probably is not coming back and is probably the right move to move on from Mm -hmm. him. But if you want to compete this season, then go yeah. ahead and compete. Hold on to Jose Quintana and compete with him. <laughs> my thought, my thought would be is going to help the I'm not necessarily trading Quintana this for this season than whoever
1: would trade him I'm visioning Almost Zach Wheeler or Madison Bumberg it's just the way I or see Steven Strasburg or Gerrit Cole or, or whoever being the free agent yeah, okay. as I a mean, trade-off, right? That. You're moving off Quintana, you're sure. moving off 11 million. That's 11 more million dollars in the bank to go out and give a free agent who can then bolster the rotation for multiple more years. That's my vision of the trade-off.
0: You're, you're right. And if, and if that's what has to be done, I'm cool with that, because getting Garrett Cole would more than make up for it, I think, in the long run and the short term. But it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where I feel right. this organization we can jump that here, but I, I do want to give one point. more as a starting pitcher. I don't, uh, think that, I don't feel that uh, $11.5 million dollars should be a big curveball. and that's what to a Chicago market for the baseball.
1: We've seen a lot of big curveball.
0: And if it um, is... And if that's gains, the line where you've seen sell, Darvish get being really midseason, um, we've seen Alex Mills' curveball go, sell, go up in effectiveness. we um, uh,
1: Brad Wick and, and, and Roman Wicks curveballs both spike in effectiveness. Uh, the, the Cubs seem to have found something with curveballs. How Hendricks threw his curveball a lot more this year. Um, just if the Cubs are finding this thing with curveballs, then and they lowered their walk rates. I mean, Pal you know, Hendricks had a walk rate in the ones. You Darvish had a, a sub one walk for nine for the entire second half. Right? and he was up in the sevens at the beginning of the year, and he dropped his season walk rate all the way down under three for not due to his second-half strength. So if the Cubs have this fascination with curveballs, and this, they're really targeting throwing strikes, and if that's the case, I think maybe Zach Wheeler might be the best possible option because Zach Wheeler has a nasty curveball, and Zach Wheeler throws a hard fastball. And it's, it seems like that's the kind of mesh point that could really improve. And I just don't know that Jose Quintana is going to gain anything from this pitch lab that he hasn't already where Wheeler might find another gear. And that, that's where I could see it. I don't think Jose Quintana t- getting traded is going to happen if they don't gain. And if they're not out there, 100% sure we're going to sign Garrett Cole. 100% sure we're going to sign Zach Wheeler. If that's not going to happen, Jose Quintana is going to be a Cub next year. And I have no problem with that at all. Because he's effective. He's he's a good pitcher. He's he's going to get outs for the team. I have no problem with it. Um, but if, but if, Alec, if they want to commit to Alec Mills next year in the five, I'm not going to complain. Because I think Mills has found something. And I think the Cubs have found something. So if the Cubs say Zach Wheeler and Alec Mills are going to be better than Jose Quintana and whoever else, I'm going to believe them and trust them right here. So with that on the pitching, unless you have anything else to add, we can jump into this. All right. At catcher.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is the most fun spot. Yeah, let's go to the position side. Okay. Yeah, this is probably the one that's most fraught with peril because I think, I really don't think there are many problems in the core position group of this team. A lot of people might disagree, but I really don't think there are many issues. I really don't. A lot of it, I think, came down to injuries and a lack of middle infield depth this season. The core of this group That's dope, is very good. Man. That's, but this, is is this is fun. This is fun to talk about because honestly, last year I was debate. not going right? Caratini came I off that
1: 2018. It's just, fair he wasn't good.
0: And I've had a I, mean, I have a lot he of misgivings didn't, about it. Hit for power. He didn't do anything about anxiety well, per se about his, his idea, But time. I said it on Twitter today, but that I'm starting to come around to the idea. The idea potentially that Victor Caratini could be the best starting catcher for this team going forward. He wasn't mm-hmm. But he, yeah, he came back and he looked, he was healthy this season all the way through. He got a chance, he got an extended shot to be the everyday starting catcher. Obviously, with Lou Croy playing a couple times a week because you can't wear your starting catcher down. Um, and with Contreras already hurt, the Cubs had to be extremely careful about that. Um, he got a real shot to show, one, that he can really hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was I a thing set. in the minors. I he could it. really hit, and he showed it here in the majors this season. He's a good I mean, hitter. He might not be a Wilson Contreras. Stat is Very few catchers standard standard
1: are. The ERA with Wilson
0: Contreras was six flat. And secondly, and with Victor Caratini, he's, he's a 3. good framer. Break. He's a good receiver. He's a and good defensive catcher. That is if given a full season behind the plate, he might honestly right. be it's one of the top looking. 14 or oh, 15 defensive catchers in the league which is a lot harder than it sounds. It's very difficult. And if you have that guy, you want that guy out there as much as possible. And you, Darvish loved him. I mean, there was a, there was a not- noticeable difference in his performance with Victor Caratini behind the plate. Yeah, and some of that is probably. Yeah. You know, some of that. Yeah, well, because some of that is probably you, Darvish, turned it on in general in the second half. And because of Contreras' injury, that was when we got a lot of the Victor Contreras catching starts. So, to a certain degree, there's a bias in the numbers there. I can acknowledge that, but also it was working out really well. (laughs) Even before that injury, we saw some Contreras with Darvish starts, and it was looking good. The combination looked viable. And the thing is, as much as I would love to see robot umpires, it's not happening yet. They're starting to talk about it. You're seeing a lot of people in Major League Baseball, a lot of players especially, who are like union reps, who are beginning to talk about it, and this is good news. But it's not going to happen yet. And for the midterm and near-term competitiveness of the Cubs, they're going to have to have a catcher who can frame. They're going to have to have a catcher who can receive. And that's that's contrarious. I mean, uh, Caratini. Contreras has a great arm. He has a power cannon arm. And one of the finest catcher's bats in all of baseball. When he's healthy, I might venture to say he's the most consistently good hitting catcher in baseball. But, okay, so, yeah, I, I we had some technical difficulties there. I lost my internet connection for a bit, so at this part of the episode, if you're wondering what's just happened Uh, we had to reconnect to our recording platform or back. Uh, And, yeah, so I was going on a rant, basically, as I lost my internet connection about how Caratini is the best guy going forward for the Cubs. And Mm -hmm. I think that was pretty much the key point of what I was saying. (laughs) I I have a backup stat to uh, further back up what you were saying. So you wanted
1: Caratini... Be what the, the fifteen top fifteen defensive catchers?
0: Um yeah, I think with the full season behind the plate, it's very possible.
1: Last year, among catchers with at least 250 plate appearances, Victor Caratini was 20th in grass DEF.
0: So that's pretty good. And he and he had and he had what, how many plate appearances? 279. He was Okay, so yeah, he he had maybe a he had about half a season's worth of plate appearances for uh for a. Regular catcher. Mm-hmm. The, uh So time times that by about two, or even by like one point seven or one point eight, and and he'd be top fifteen. He'd be pushing top ten, probably.
1: Yeah. Uh, tenth place was Tom Murphy at twelve point five. But but def is very it's very volatile. It's not an, uh, a be all end all or anything. Just a, a rough estimation no. of of how good a player was on defense. And they've got Victor Caratini in the top twenty catchers, and Wilson Contreras is down at twenty eight.
0: So. But but the framing metrics all favor Caratini in a big way, and it's not just the Caratini looked good as a framer; it's how atrocious Contreras has been overall at that same skill. Absolutely,
1: I, I look at I looked at the framing runs the other day. Uh, Victor Caratini and Yadier Molina are within like point one framing runs of each other for last year. So if you like Yadier Molina's framing, uh, Victor Caratini does does it about as well as Yadier Molina does at this point in his career. Obviously Molina was much better back in the day. But 2019 Yachty and 2019 Victor Caratini were very similar framing catchers. That's that says something to me. Right? I think that it's gonna to be tough to, to make a call to say, yes, we're gonna definitely go Caratini. I think that if the Cubs did that, and then, you know, a guy like Yasman Grandal fell into their laps, okay. But I look at the I also look at the the free agents of catchers that are available for for teams potentially looking to upgrade a catcher because catcher was a pretty weak spot last year. Most teams are going with two or three catchers. Um, and but the, the good teams seemed to have one or two catchers that just really dominated their playing time. And um Yasmani Grandal is the only one who's gonna be potentially available for a long term signing deal. If the Cubs trade Wilson Contreras right now, the value on him should be sky high. They should get a, a big haul for him. A, a potentially team-changing haul, to where, and I to where if you lose yeah. the bat at catcher, and I, you don't actually lose that much overall value.
0: And I think you have somebody in mind specifically. Well,
1: whether or not, whether <laughs> or not, the, like there's a number of players that I think Contreras is viable for. Um, and if you're going to make him a, an offer, right? There's there's a no, there's a number of guys because we've just heard John Rossi talk about Texas as a, as a potential Cubs trade partner for some of these big names on the team, right? Um, we've heard the Red Sox saying they want to trade Mookie Betts and, and J.D. Martinez. We've heard the Rockies talk about potentially wanting to unload Nolan Arenado. You've got a lot of potential players that can alter the core of the team next season well within the value range of uh, three years of Wilson Contreras. I, I would think that any name that I just said, include, and I would include uh, the Rangers' Joey Gallo um, among those, if, if you offload Wilson Contreras, maybe you have to add to him, right? Maybe, maybe some more players. But if you're bringing back Mookie best for a year. If you're bringing back Joey Gallo, you're not going to remember. Oh no, Wilson! You know we dropped from our bat, our catcher bat from a 130 wRC plus guy to a 110 wRC plus guy. That's not going to affect how you view the team. But if the Cubs can pick up a star center fielder like Gallo or Betts, or if the Cubs can can add a guy like you know in a Nolan Arenado mold that just changes the way it looks in the middle of the lineup, I mean that's the kind of that's the kind of trade that you have to consider making.
0: yeah for sure my personal favorite trade option is definitely defense uh i don't know if it's possible we've seen a lot of rumors about the red sox wanting to trade him which seems crazy to me but where there's smoke there's generally fire and there's a lot of smoke around that one um some of your top baseball reporters they they don't lie (laughs) If they're hearing this stuff, it's because it's legitimately being considered. Those talks are happening. Uh, you get you under you see what happened to the Red Sox this season, and you can kind of see why it makes sense. They want to have the juice to compete with the Rays and the Yankees long term, and they're pretty sure they're not going to be able to hold on to Mookie in free agency. So there is that potential to trade him, and he's a perfect fit for the Cubs. Uh, we've been talking, the Cubs have made a, a lot of people have made a big hullabaloo about how the Cubs need a traditional leadoff type in quotes. I've never been one of the people who thought that that was really that important so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's probably Mm -hmm. more important to just get a good hitter who can play the outfield. But Mookie does fill that leadoff role. He does. Um you know, and in a lineup where Mookie would probably play center field for this team, uh I have no problems with that. That would be excellent in my opinion. And he's I mean he's a great player, great player. He would enhance this team by a lot. You know, I think that the big one of the big position right. player holes on this that's team. A big issue is obviously center field. We're just not sure what to do with it. Ian Happ could play there part of the time. Nico Horner could play there part of the time. But, and of course there's Jason Hayward, but there's no slam dunk option out there necessarily. (laughs) And And it would be good to throw another big bat into the top of the order. I'm perfectly comfortable having Schwarber and Rizzo take turns leading off. But if you have the opportunity I'm, I'm to add another bat like Mookie Betts, The two players
1: it. that I've heard mentioned most,
0: there's no reason and, and Bryant, um, in
1: terms the of who to
0: try. I will train. be in on that, and I think they those two should be. And I think Contreras is a great Trey place
1: Trey to Trey start Cubs because, of, because of, their bow- we've heard people go on value, right? t- talking Trey about talking about Chris Bryant, and they just do that a viable It's Amaya coming down the pipeline, who's almost ready. And then for Bryant, the Cubs could turn their attention on the free agent market, sign Josh Donaldson or Anthony Rendon, and pick up. An equal-ish, maybe slightly less good, but option. Reed Donaldson. I think Rendon is better than Bryant right now. Um, or you know, like we said, if, if the Rockies really are trading Nolan Arenado, that's an option. And uh, you know, yes, Nolan Arenado's contract it's hefty, right? It's it's massive, but Nolan Arenado's is a good player, and he brings the, the the glove aspect that Chris Bryant may not. And, and Nolan Arenado, while thrives in in a course field, I think Wrigley Field plays similarly to Arenado as best to Casianos hits all fields big time power he, he's gonna he's gonna play just as well in Wrigley field if not better so you know i haven't even thought about arenado that much because bother rocky said oh yeah we're willing to shop him obviously they don't want to shop their superstar obviously the red sox are going to be hesitant to, to sell on Mookie Betts, and that's what makes it so difficult to consider unless you start considering giving up one of your star players no i don't think the cubs should just trade chris bryant for milan arenado and call it an offseason i think that's a that's a horrible idea but if you can find a way to pry a Molinarenado from the Rockies or a and and eat most of the contract because you're the Cubs. You can you can you can eat that money and therefore become a better team. You know, that that's the kind of thing that the Cubs should be interested in doing, right? Maybe you can send back Tyler Chatwood and offset some of the money and that's the kind of thing that and open up another spot on the team. That that's the kind of thing that would help a trade like this go through where the Cubs are can be like the Yankees who ate all of Gene Carlos contract in order to acquire Gene Carlos Stanton. The Cubs should be willing to do this with Mookie Betts, with J.D. Martinez, with, with Nolan Arenado, with any of those players who can make a, a change on the team. Now, yes, J.D. Martinez, not a good fielder, probably not the kind of guy you really want to target, especially given that Nick Castellanos is right there, who loves playing in Chicago. I think Nick Castellanos is the kind of guy who, I mean, it just makes too much sense to, re, to re-sign him. It doesn't matter what the price is, just get it done. Then fix center field, partner somebody up with Jay Hey, and let's go. But...
0: Yeah, no, I I I think my preferred plan is to resign Cassianos and get a Mookie bets. Yep. Chris Bryant look. When Chris Bryant is healthy, he is one of the best hitters in baseball and since 2015 he has been one of the four or five best hitters in mm-hmm. baseball period. I the, the the sudden want to trade him comes from a dissatisfaction with the way this season went. I understand it but I don't know where the idea is coming from that Chris Bryant was the problem or was even a problem. Chris Bryant is not the problem certainly not. And he isn't even a problem. The Cubs don't need so much talent influx that they need to trade a Chris Bryant. That misunderstands, I think what the issue was for the Cubs this season. It was not that the Cubs couldn't have bolstered their roster where they needed to. It was that for whatever reason the organization just decided not to we know that injuries are a thing that happened to major league players we know that can happen we know we had considerable injury luck in 2015 2016 2017. Right. we knew that was going to come back to bite us eventually yeah that we it couldn't stay that way forever we knew going in that javier Baez was the only major league quality shortstop we had on the roster mm-hmm. And that even I think, if you thought I Addison the Russell would play better than he had up till this to point, he was a garbage person last year. who we should because not have been giving our money or time to. In fact, his second half was incredible, and I, I cannot wait. It was in, it was offensive, and frankly lazy, to go with Addison Russell as a backup. Would not. It was cheap, offensive, and lazy. I would not be
1: surprised if Kyle Schwaber came out and Cody Bellinger came out this year. Like, and just shh, shh. so oh. I would say, yeah, Kyle we, should be not. You don't even think about yeah, it right now because I, I can't wait either. I, I think the, you may have the, seen the worst case scenario in the second half. Like off trade offer is that the best, the, being, best possible. It wasn't the best possible. Well. is not going to be hitting it well that. in a different hard way, way than we've right. ever right. seen. This is Kyle just his first trip to arbitration. He's not going to get a massive raise. He's going to get a raise, but he's not going to get like some kind of crazy amount that you know he's not going to be anywhere near the he's making. And so. Shorter's value is still going to be sky high if you believe in that breakout, which I do. That's going to be the one. That, that's going to be the, the the guy who leads you next year. And so, the options really, the options are really small because Javi Bias is the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Um, all the metrics, all the metrics say that the Cubs clearly collapse when Bias went out, and even when Javi is struggling at the plate, Javi's defensive value is so great, and he, he's he's borderline untradeable, right? And obviously. He says there's no untradeables, there's no touchable oh, well. if you give us enough, we'll trade how you buy us. I... Right.
0: Well, right, and that, that look, that, that's the message he has to send. But I think Javier Baez and Chris Bryant are incredibly unlikely. Anthony Rizzo is not going anywhere, and Kyle Schwarber is staying put. Now, that's the, that's the curious. I think it's possible you could maybe finagle moves for your Ian Haps of the world, although I would prefer to just keep him at his current value because I think he can provide good value as a semi-regular to this mm. team. Uh... It is a. It's a, a, a four-year, eighty-six million dollars contract. If you drop, if you need $30 you drop that down to four years, fifty-six million. Uh, that is an extremely uh,
1: attractive trade for. And a two I think Jason Hayward,
0: if the Cubs are willing to eat enough money, is a very is a reasonable possibility. I think he's raised. His, I think he. I think he's raised his value enough and, that and if and the Cubs, if the Cubs are willing to eat enough money, it, it, it is because what, yeah, How much does he have left? He has eighty-six mil left. If you eat only twenty-six million of that, that's a good that that's a good contract in today's Major League Baseball for a player of his caliber. It suddenly doesn't look like an albatross contract. And I and I think personally. Yeah. That eating what would essentially amount to six and a half mil per year from Jason Hayward's contract, I think that that is a good move. I legitimately believe that you free up some money, but even more so you free up the roster space because I think that Hayward is a conundrum for the Cubs that doesn't have an easy answer. When he's playing right field, he's clearly still a top-notch defensive player. When he's playing center field, not as much. And he's still a good base runner. And he's at least gotten his offensive line back to where he is a reasonably good hitter. Not a great one, but decent enough for what he provides defensively. No, you're absolutely right. The problem is that he is a most natural fit for the Cubs, Playing center field, it right is. now. You're right. I it's tough. It, I, my issue with that is, back I think is they the
1: move have traded Hayward last year if they could have. And I think South South. just such a perfect they, they fit done for this. this team.
0: He loves playing and in Chicago. They this clubhouse love loves him. This fan base loves him. And I legitimately think, think from a baseball perspective, I don't know if anyone's going to be good going forward. I think he's going to be a very good player going forward, especially playing half his games in rhythm. I think he's a guy who makes sense to bring back. And so then I don't think that Hayward makes as much sense because he loses a fair portion of his value if he is not in right field? You see, I I don't think so. I don't think so. I I don't think, even if they had freed up that money last year enough off of him, I don't think they would have put it towards it because they were selling a very hard line version of the we're poor scenario. Moreover, I think coming off of the season he had just had, it was going to be difficult to convince teams that his turnaround was for real. After this season, I think it's even easier to point to the data and say he's back to being a a version, not quite of what he once was, but a lot closer to the player he used to be. And there are competitive teams... Who could really use a guy like Hayward? I, think I just
1: feel like the Cubs have had. Who, trying if the Cubs hate, Hayward, like you years said, years like out. we said, the, and the the million, I think the other good thing is Hayward's possibility. I don't think this year is a, I
0: believe it's a. I'll clarify. Team. I think you're right. I don't think it happens. So it's going to be. But I think it's right. worth exploring. I'm not going to bank on that. I don't think it's a is real a problem, big possibility. Unfortunately, now, it's not impossible. Where you have to figure out a solution. It's not impossible. Any because the best way to improve this team, like we said, is back to where it's to move him by try fill in. I don't think that's what The do be huge and it would be very disappointing um, i don't i'll do tell you this like that's not okay,
1: going to be done next year albert Almora not a profound, profound disappointment issue. and i think daniel Descalzo might be but i think the cubs are going to be willing to cut him in spring training if he doesn't show he's ready to play um so i think the bottom of the roster is going to get some turnover i think they're going to go after some depth because if you recall this year Derek Dietrich and jose iglesias were both minor league signings there's going to be good players available all the Cubs have to do is say, yes, here is a contract. Come play for us. they good players. It's gonna be they're gonna be there. I, I just I can't I can't see the Cubs going in next year with this same core of mediocre to bad bench players in David Bowie. Um and going in with a six through nine of just pathetic. If, if second base goes to Nico Horner next year, which I think it can, um that's one spot down, but you've still got that center field. Is he gonna have really the answer? You know, he had a really good hot streak there at the end, but didn't really matter. The team kept losing anyway. it is going to be hard to find because center field is one of the weakest spots on the market. Um,
0: I I think there's the potential that you could do like an Ian Happ, Nico Horner combo in center and potentially fill in with some Hayward. In that case, you absolutely need to add, you probably need to add a part-time infielder. You need to, you need to add somewhere. I don't know where that would be, but there are options. There are certainly options to do so. Right, and that's what I like about adding Mookie Betts. I mean obviously I would like adding him in any scenario, but the fit is just so perfect. Because like you said, you can put Nico at second base have David Bodie fill in as second base, third base, All right. quite a lot. You know, I think you turn. I think you you do you give Bodie the old Javi Baez treatment, where he becomes almost like a semi regular. Uh, without being an necessarily strictly everyday player, but I think you give him a lot of time at second and third, mm-hmm. and you allow him to play first even sometimes to spell Rizzo every once in a while, and then Nico plays second, occasionally Nico in center. Ian Hap, rotate him in. You no, know, it's the it is it is the not a good ideal um, world scenario.
1: That's fine. Because it doesn't have to be. For a backup like shortstop, said, you're you gonna don't have to be a good you're hitter. Gonna roll with Hayward. Um,
0: it feels like you have to add somewhere, not necessarily a superstar, but you need to bring in you're gonna need to bring in somebody who can play shortstop. Uh, I mean you're gonna probably have to do that regardless. I don't have to get deep into that, but like my preferred option is probably a guy who we talked about a lot last off season, and that's Jose Iglesias. is back. He's back on the he market can't. again. Right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through and just a quick last off season. A
1: quick uh, rundown of some of the three agents. There's no reason we can't do it. This uh, off I a better list than this one. This he's still there. Um, just a quick, a quick little. Uh, we'll see. Him, you say yes I think he, he would be good for the Cubs maybe a couple of words if you know anything about it right and at no, it, I don't and want it's that, that we've lost
0: more. Javi we can't expect um, so about, anybody who backs how how we, we talked about catchers
1: up. a lot for, for second base what about but we need to have somebody with on on
0: behind him the ability to play a good high Hello. level defensive Brock shortstop Holt. in the interim and a guy like really Rick I like Brock Holt Iglesias as a, as a utility it. guy who can play
1: everywhere that's something he's one of my he's one of my preferred guys yeah I, I mean, let me let me pull this real fast. I, I'm pretty sure Rock Holt has had the three OBP for like three straight years. Um, 369 last year, 362 in 2018, 35 in 2017 with Chili Davis in 64 games, and then 322 in 2016. But the last two last two years, last two years he's had 360 OBP.
0: Okay.
1: And a, and a 10% walk rate and 11% walk rate in 2017. So he's been good.
0: No. Nope. Nope. Nope.
1: I mean... The other fun part is that he, plays, that
0: he plays... He
1: plays uh, first base, second base, third base, but, shortstop, left field, center field, and right field. Um, so he plays not play center field since 2015. He's probably more of a everywhere-but-center and probably everywhere-but-shortstop kind, of yeah. this is, this is kind of guy. This is the kind of guy who's going to have a pretty decent size free agent market, just due to his first ah, well, you not know, wasn't, wasn't, the Cubs should be all over that.
0: Okay, so he hasn't been off.
1: Which, again, fits the Cubs nicely, because okay. the Cubs keep complaining about being poor. Um,
0: and so that's where Alright, yeah. let me see the defensive numbers there, because I think I had it in my mind he hadn't had a good year at the plate, and clearly he actually wasn't yeah, all that Yeah, he'll do what Discounts should I don't should know where I was getting my idea of that from. Eh, who knows. Um, Looks like how everywhere he Soba. plays, he rates out reasonably well. I mean, for what he does. Here's the thing. But he's also the, he's also the kind of player I don't see getting a big contract. Mm-hmm. No, I think that. Could, now I will say, Sober had a good year in twenty seventeen. more envision someone like he him good as a replacement he had, for a Daniel Descalso. He's three ninety
1: three OBP in twenty seventeen and a three fifty three OBP last year.
0: Yeah, because so I, I don't think he'd be an everyday shortstop if Javi went down. I feel you. I think he's somebody who can play shortstop. Will probably see some the right. innings there, but I think he's somebody but who Logan, you more Logan Forsythe at, at the corners, second base, probably some corner outfield. But um. No, I think what he did this season was very much a flash in the pan mm-hmm. type season. I think we, I think we tried. I feel like we tried chasing that last season with Daniel Descalso. My and issue is that need to be the careful Cubs about had chasing after guys who have historically. Right this year.
1: Been they had Ian Happ. They had some other guys, and it still, still seemed one of like my Muncy there every single game. It was Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and, and, and Contreras and Schwarber, and then the rest of the lineup just couldn't do anything. Um,
0: Right. I just don't. I just don't trust it. Uh, Especially at the age age of 34, I don't trust it. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to trust that. Um, Yeah, Forsyth's an interesting one. Um, God, I don't really think he fits what the Cubs need. Like, I think he'll be a good under the radar signing for somebody, Mm -hmm. but. I do not believe he is what the Cubs need necessarily. I think he feels I think he fills essentially the same niche that David Bodie will fill a lot better mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but David Bodie had a good season at the plate. I mean, I think the biggest issue with with David Bodie was Joe Madden. Was that Joe Madden felt that Joe Madden went into entire periods of time where he did not want to use David Bodie For whatever reason, Joe had this tendency, especially really, really elevated the last couple seasons, to pick out his favorite guys and to overplay them. Mm -hmm. Like, he stuck to Addison Russell until it was, like, long past the point that it was clear that Addison Russell was a non-starter, was was an offensive zero, was worse than an offensive zero for the Cubs. In 356 plate appearances for the Cubs for with David Bodie. He, he had a 106 WRC+. He's not a superstar. But prorated to a full season of plate appearances, he's about a 3F4 player. That's perfectly reasonable. That's a good starting player. So if you give him a lot of innings at second and third, you allow him to be an infield Super sub. I, I mean, I think he can. Be. I don't see any reason he can't. He's shown me enough at the plate. I think that he should be able to do this. <laughs> he looked like a good base runner this season, and the defensive numbers didn't sound wow. great at times. But like, the eye test certainly said. And he got this sent Guy who still <laughs> has got sent down. That was, that was maybe still the has defensive prowess. I mean, yeah, it, he uh, did have yeah. four defensive runs saved at second base this season. He, uh, he was strangely enough, head. did not play as well at third this season. But even there, he had zero defensive runs saved. He was essentially neutral. And I think he'd probably rebound this season, very possibly. But clearly, that's a guy who can competently mm-hmm. play third, second and third base. And is likely a slightly above average hitter in this league. Oh. I just, yeah. a guy like... It Roozide, really it's I can't wait for him the same role. We'll have to have like a And I'm not looking to replace David. Bowie. I, where we can discuss all Addison Russell's misgivings. David Bowie again was a guy who I felt, like I said, his biggest issue was the lack of playing time, was being buried occasionally behind players mm. he should not had to have waited. He should not have had to wait in line behind. Daniel Descalso, uh Addison Russell. He got he got he got sent down at a time where he was one of the Cubs best hitters. During a during a stretch in which he was absolutely he tearing he's the cover really off of the ball. Okay, one more you know, name. I mean one name that no, I don't it was, think you know. Is a, free a agent. Very poor decision. Didi Recorris. And it came down to okay. a support. Well, if you're listening, you may not know Didi Records created. Pretty
1: much played the entire season without Didi on the support. I'm real intrigued by that because that I think Didi's gonna have to find a kind of a background. And if Didi could shift over to second base and play like he does with he's a good, you know, contact guy. So gets, a lot of, uh, yeah. gets a lot of contact with the ball and play a lot. That just fits with the Cubs do. Yeah, no, I mean, and, yeah, David it's, it's Bodie before he sent he down stadium all Stadium guy, I know, but he does defend him. And that's that shortstop. And if you shift him around, I feel course, like he fits
0: but, really well. But why? But why does that guy deserve to be sent down at that time? I don't get it. Especially given, like I said, there's defensive versatility and utility there. I mean, on his contract, on that extension we gave him, he's an absolute bargain. No, I don't use a creation. My problem is Yeah. My problem with Didi is that in an era of the juiced ball, he was really good. He stopped hitting this season. He's going to be on the wrong side of thirty. He's not necessarily a great defensive shortstop anymore. He's capable enough. He's not a bad base runner. There's some pop in that bat, but he regressed. He went backwards in terms of strikeouts. He went backwards in terms of getting on base. He went backwards in terms of contact. And oh, power. no, yeah. I, he
1: here's the good thing.
0: Backwards Concerns in terms that you just mentioned Oh, what bring him
1: to the Cubs because at the Cubs, he could shift over second base. The drop in offense, not medium. as big of a deal. The boosted defense it for playing falls. second base. Helpful. He went backwards
0: in terms not of to line to drive rate.
1: That you know, Windy Day uh, at Wrigley Field, this is a guy who puts the ball in play. His Even his contact percentage last year season. was at 80%, which is better than the Cubs. team contact percentage last year was like 73%. It was like uh, worse than the league. If you want to get better at contact percentage, you know, that's what the Cubs do, plus seasons, you can get an roster spot. Didi you know, Gregorius, who can step a in and fill in and play shortstop if he goes down as a starting you know, goal, goal,
0: shortstop was really
1: good. Where, while otherwise playing probably, I'm assuming, a very good second base. And you know, he was. Still I really an excellent think that that going be a, and a very strong spend. move and then he's going to make, where even if he May is just like a 100 WRC plus guy, but that's my issue is playing good defense in the middle with Javi Bias. He's, he's on the wrong the of side worthwhile signing. And if Javi goes down, if have that guy system. who's been the starting in choice out of the Yankees, able to step in and take explainable, over, that gives me so much comfort. That's kind of what concerns me. Having to stick it to Addison Russell's big throw or Dixon Machado or even just throwing Nico into the fire at H22. I would be much more comfortable having D.D. there. So. That's my that's my thought. I think Dee Dee's maybe the most interesting like backup option of anyone else. I mean, and there's other guys, right? There's there's going to be guys that we don't know about. But, but if you're looking to boost contact, find a guy who can take over at shortstop in the event of Hobby getting hurt, like Dee Dee's your guy. But Dee, Dee may want a starting job. He may search out a bigger contract and go start somewhere. I just think that with all the the things you just brought, it's going to be harder for him to find that. And the Cubs can offer him a starting spot basically at second base. So. That's the advantage though, right? Is is that you can sit, you can bring DD in and DD and Nico can both be high contact guys for you from second base, right? And Nico's got that potential to play center field. DD doesn't have that. And if you bring DD in, you then have someone who could take over that. You can, by sliding Nico in the aggregate to center field, you can then free up Ian for potential trade. You can, that's the kind of flexibility that I think that that's gonna bring. I'm a big fan of that move. But again, there's guys like Brian Dozier. There's guys like Jonathan Scope. There's guys like Howie Kendrick. We didn't get to any of them. Starlin Castro is going to be available. Good old Starlin Castro, who has, again, contact guy. That's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, I just, I feel like there's a big risk that he wouldn't necessarily be a better player than, say, the version of Nico Horner, who has an entire off-season plus spring training mm-hmm. to work with the Cubs staff on the things that they got out of the data from seeing him in the majors this September. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, I uh, and I mean I, I think next episode what I want to do to hopefully set the stage is let's get into the big names. Let's get into Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, uh, Zach Wheeler, Josh Donaldson. And dig them apart and figure out what what's the what are the Cubs going to do here? Because I really do think. When you free yeah, up yeah, sixty you know, million, when you're talking about trading a I mean, core this, player, this was, they're going I mean, to be, be in on this. Was an
0: overall overview. They're going to be in on Colt. They're going to be
1: in on. I'm sure you know, if talk about if Rendo doesn't work out, they've, already, get, started new new they've already started talking about these stocks. They've already started talking about especially as we start 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 get actual Nick Castellanos doesn't work out. They've
0: already started talking to you about who's going to be a that's the kind of guys that I want to get into next time. What the finances are going to look like. There's the, going to be a the, lot of news names. ahead. So, and we're there, it's we're obvious only just that the things to really understand so, the
1: whole. Future. How are they actually going to help? Yeah, that's that's I what mean, I think we can give next time. So, uh, I'm thought. really happy with it. I think I'm excited the about it. I think the, the next episode. The, here's um, here's what
0: I'll promise. The technical the next difficulties. We'll be, uh, be ready again. I will have a well-formed opinion on Didi Gregorius. Yeah, I'm excited,
1: man. The offseason feels so. It's so exciting when the season was so bad. Now I can kind of sit back and think about. Things like signing DD Gregorius and get excited about it. Yeah, I think maybe once the World Series ends. So. All right.
0: Thanks,
1: fun. I love it. I'm ready, I'm ready for the offseason. We'll be on Twitter. I'm at D Cubs. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll piece I'm these two together.
0: My my final no thought is that
1: once once the Cubs lose, baseball ends.
0: Yep. And it's we'll see accounts, then. So I guess we'll see what happens. See we should return soon. We'll yeah, let's, we'll, we'll give our perspective after the playoffs are over. So I think we'll probably see everybody in about a month. And then from there, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. As always, it's been awesome talking to you, man. I'm at DG Bloomberg. Make sure to follow us both for random musings on the Cubs and ramblings and rantings. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody, even if the Cubs aren't in it. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy the fact that they're still baseball for a bit. I'm going to be real sad when the baseball season is fully well and good and over. So. All right. Thanks, David. Yep, yeah, Bye. This has been a Bloomberg brothers and friends production. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Hope you'll join us in the future.